I want to do something just a little bit different for you this morning. Andrew, if I can have you to uh, lower the screen in the middle, and then if I can have you to turn off all the lights. It is it's difficult for us to understand and to uh, you know kind of realize the statement that we're talking about today uh, just simply because we live in a time and an age where we have electricity and we walk into a, a room and all we have to do is hit a switch and then there's light. How many of you miss seeing the stars at night? Well, you see some of the stars. How many of you have ever been out in Kansas, out in the middle of nowhere, and looked up at the starry skies? Now, that is stars. The problem with it is, is that there is so much ambient light that is around because of safety with the street lights and all of that that's in the homes that we really don't understand what darkness truly is. In John chapter 8, I think that, yeah, John chapter 8, in verse 12, beginning with verse 12, Jesus makes this proclamation, and there again, this is Jesus describing to us who he is. Uh, you know, so we look at this, and Jesus says, you know, it says, Jesus spoke to the people once, once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you will not walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. So Jesus is saying that he is the light of the world. Uh, you know, I stop there because the next passage of Scripture brings us into something that we, we, we're going to understand and we're going to get to. But let's talk about this light back here. Because whenever we deal with, whenever Jesus was making this particular statement, this is right after one of their festivals, their festival of tabernacles. The festival of tabernacles would happen, uh, you know, in autumn or in late fall, which would be the dry season, but it would also be the time that the night would be the longest. So it's the darkest during this time that they would have this. There's two ceremonies that's of interest for us within this festival. The first ceremony is the ceremony of waters. And in the ceremonies of waters, you would have the priest would go down to the pool of Shalom and they would take the water from there and they would have a parade and they would take the water all the way up to the temple. Now this is the dry season, so here we are, they're taking some of the water that they would possibly be drinking, and they're going to carry this, and they're going to take it all the way up to the temple, and then they're going to pour the water over the altars. And where the altars were, the waters would pour over the altars, and then it would come down the temple steps, and it would flow down through the streets. So the people would see all of this happening in this ceremony. Well, the other ceremony that they had was something that was really brilliant, and that would be the ceremony of lights. 
And in the ceremonies of light, they would have these huge candles that would be in the woman's court of the temple, uh, you know, which is a common area where people would go and kind of gather uh, you know, in that time. And these candles were so large that the wicks that they used would be the old tattered robes from the priest. Those were the wicks. So if you could imagine the light that these candles would be emitting, emitting. But where they were placed, they were placed right up against the wall in the temple that was of limestone. So the fire and the light from the fire and from those candles would hit those stones or hit that stone wall and it would literally illuminate over half of the city of Jerusalem. Now this is after that ceremony that Jesus is now in the temple and he is teaching that day and he says, I am the light of the world. And you may turn on the lights. We're not going to sit in the darkness all day. <laughs> he says, I am the light of the world. And then we have a Pharisee. It says, the Pharisees replied, you are making those claims about yourself. Such a testimony is void. Can you imagine this? Jesus is sitting there or he is standing there in the temple. He is preaching or teaching to the people that's there. And all of a sudden, someone stands up and says, wait a minute. What you were saying is false. You, Jesus, you're a liar. And they stood up in front of everybody. Have y'all ever had anyone stand up in a message and proclaim something such of that? I have. I was preaching on a Sunday night. And I had a gentleman in the back of the audience stand up. And he said, oh, that's ridiculous. I'm leaving this place. Awkwardness came about. Let me kind of lead you into this. Peggy and I, we, we have Netflix, and, and we really like Netflix because there's no commercials. Plus, you can really choose some really good shows and stuff to watch. Uh, now, this show that I'm going to talk to you about is not necessarily one of those, but it's one that we always watch. Okay, and it's called Midsummer Murder. And it is stationed or its scene is in this British uh, you know, community that's called Midsummer, And as you can tell, Midsummer Murder, it's a detective show. So you have this detective, and uh, you know, so the chief detective and his little cohort was out there around this scene, one show, and uh, you know, they were uh, you know, looking and stuff, and it started getting dark. Uh, you know, so he looks at his, you know, the chief inspector looks at his partner and says, hey, do you have a torch? Well, I don't call a flashlight a torch. So what we're looking at here is something that would be similar to this would be that after this, Peggy and I was having this conversation about that. And I said, you know, I don't really, I don't ever use the word torch. And then, you know, a couple of days later, 
Oh, you know, there's this friend of mine that's out in this woods, and he's, he's falling down into this ravine, and, uh, you know, it's really dark, and he really can't see. And I see him down there, and I lean down there, and I said, here, take this torch. You can find your way out. And he says, no, wait a minute. You don't say the word torch, so you don't have a torch. You see how ridiculous it is? I'm standing here with salvation. Jesus is standing there. He says, I am the light of the world. And these people stand up and they say, oh, no, you're not. There's something wrong. It's ridiculous to stand up and to make such of a claim. But I think we go somewhere else. Because whenever we look here, let's see. Whenever we look in chapter 5, verse 31, okay, it's, you know, this is Jesus talking to us. And Jesus says, if I were to testify on my own behalf, my testimony would not be valid. But someone else is also testifying about me. I assure you that everything, I, everything he says about me is true. So what we have here is we have someone in this crowd has taken verse 31 and he is saying, Jesus, you were testifying about yourself. And since you're testifying about yourself, that testimony is void. It's no, it's no good. He's not looking at the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. He's picking out this passage of scripture and he says, wait a minute, didn't you just tell us? That if you testified about yourself, that that testimony would be void. But then we go further along in the passage of Scripture of chapter 8, even after verse 14. And after that, it begins to talk about how, uh, you, know, um, uh, you know, where the Jewish law, uh, you know, said that if there's two people that testify about the same thing, then that is a fact. So in doing that, Jesus answers this by going here, by going here into verse 14. Jesus told them, these claims are valid. Even though I, I make them about myself, for I know where I come from and where I am going, but you... Do not know this about me. Jesus is bringing in the Father here. Jesus says, look, I, I know where I, have came from, where I came from, and I know where I'm going to. You don't know these, so therefore you can't testify about me. But I can because I know this. So where is Jesus coming from? Where, do, where is Jesus coming from? Because I, I really see and I, I understand this. And, uh, you know, for us to look at this and we understand whenever Jesus makes this particular claim, Jesus takes these people right to Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 that I read for you earlier this morning. It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the surface of the deep. 
and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And we know from John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, that John's introduction to us, uh, you know, Jesus introduces Jesus to us as the Word that was before and the Word that became life and the life that became light. Jesus is telling us that he was there from the very beginning. He said, I know where I came from. I came from the very beginning of creation. I was right there. I am God, and therefore my testimony is valid. He says, I even know where I'm going, and we're going to get there. We're going to see where he's going. He says, I know exactly where I'm going, but you don't. He's also given us this understanding that, and given them this understanding that I'm from heaven and you're from earth. What I am talking about and what I am dealing with is spiritual. And what you were talking about and what you were dealing with is human. He even tells them that you were judging with human eyes. You do not understand what I am talking about and what I am saying. Whew. So whenever we look at this first verse here, the first verse gives us some under, gives us these little things here, okay? And it says that the earth was what? The earth was formless. And then it tells us that the earth was what? The earth was empty. And then it says what? It says that the earth was dark, covered in darkness. And then life comes about. Whenever light came in to the world, what happened? Light began to create substance out of the void because the life began to flourish. Photosynthesis. How many of y'all have ever done that science project where you put a plant in a jar and you seal the jar and you set it in the sunlight? What happens with it? It begins to grow. It even creates moisture that begins to form on the sides of the glass jar. See, whenever Jesus, whenever God spoke light into the world, this emptiness and this voidness that was there is no longer because life is within it. Because life begins to grow because of the light of this world. Jesus is life, right? So it's here, we got it. Okay, and then it also says that it was empty. Not anymore, because now there's light. And where there is light, there can't be darkness. So the darkness goes. But let us think about this, because Jesus is talking about spiritual stuff. So Jesus is talking about our life because whenever we do not know him as our Lord and Savior, we are living in what? We're living in darkness. There is absolutely nothing good that is within this body until Jesus Christ enters in. And then we have true life 
that is in this body. And then Jesus begins to form this body the way that he wants it to be. And we begin to shine and to grow and to glow like Jesus Christ. We are the light of this world. Our lives are no longer empty and void. There's no longer darkness within us because Jesus Christ, the light of the world, is living within us. Woo! Man, what a transformation. This is what he's talking about to the Pharisees and to the group of the people that's there. They don't understand it. They're looking at this and they're saying, well, wait a minute. You're making a testimony that's invalid. They don't understand the light. But yet they should have. Because we see here that they knew about creation. They knew about God. But wait a minute. Whenever God told Moses and them to build the, the ark, what did he do? why did they build the ark? They built the Ark of the Covenant and they built it out of Asher wood and covered it with gold. And inside the box of Asher wood went the, went the covenant or the commandments. And then on top of that, they built another, they built a top out of Asher wood and they covered it with gold. And they put two angels on top of it, one on each end. And they were supposed to you know, have their wings open. And God said, Moses, I will meet you right there. Right in between those two angels. So the glory of God and the light of God was right there in between those two angels. So Moses and the people knew about God's glory. They knew that God was right there in the midst. But what had happened? What had happened? Sin had entered into the Israelites' lives and they had wandered away from God. Jesus, whenever Jesus is standing on the hill, on the top of the hill and he does the triumphant entrance that we're going to be coming into pretty soon, what does he say? He says, the Spirit of the Lord has left the temple. The light of God was no longer in the temple. But Jesus was saying, here I am. Here's the light of the world. Look to me and you'll have what you need. Whew. I got to slow down. I got to calm down a little bit. Whew. Oh, man. Where to get all these verses from? Oh, yeah, I know what it is. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. Now, this is something that these people would know. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people who walked in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. He's prophesying about the Messiah. They knew this. They knew that the Messiah would be known as the light. The light walking into a place of darkness. They would know this. But they refused to see this. Why? Because they are looking at things with human eyes. And they are not looking at things spiritually. Because Jesus is the light of the world. He comes into our lives 
and he begins to transform our lives. He begins to move and he begins to touch who we are and change who we are. The thing about this change and this transformation that we have is that this change and this transformation is something that happens on a continual basis as long as we allow the light of God to be in our lives. Because where the light is, there is life. Psalms chapter 27, verse 1, the psalmist gives us this. And it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. He is my light and my salvation. In Psalms 44, verse 3, it says that God's presence is light. Wherever God is, there is light. Darkness cannot stand where God is. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6, the Messiah will be the light to the Gentiles. Isaiah 60, 19 through 22 tells us in just words, it says, God will be the light of his people. Zechariah 14, 5 through 7 tells us that at that last day, the light of the world will be an eternal light. The light of the world. Jesus stands here and makes this proclamation. Jesus is standing before us and he is making this proclamation. He says, I'm not a light, I am the light. And if we have Jesus Christ living in us, we have the light living in us. And then we look at that passage of Scripture that says that if you have a light, you're not going to put it underneath a bushel. No, that's a song. You're not going to let Satan blow it out, right? You're not going to do that. You're going to set it on the windowsill for all to see so that it can be seen from all around. Our lives, we have Jesus Christ living in us, through us, so that the world could see the light of Jesus Christ, so that the world will be able to step out of darkness and into light. What happens in darkness? Bad things happen in darkness. We get hurt in darkness, right? So we're living this life. Jesus Christ is in us. And then we have something that that we struggle with. I'm just going to use a, for instance, and since I'm a I'm a man, I can talk about that a little bit better than I can something that a woman would struggle with. There's this pretty lady at the bowling alley that comes and sits next to me. I'm just, it's, it's a figurative story. Comes and sits next to me at the bowling alley. And we begin to have a conversation. And I begin to let thoughts enter into my mind about this young lady that shouldn't be there. Satan 
cast out his hooks and he says, I got you. Because instead of going to my wife and confessing about those things, I, I keep them in. Instead of having an accountability partner, and I go to them and I say, look, you know, I, I, had, you know, I, I had a hard time. I, you know, I struggled with some thoughts with this lady. Uh, you know, what happens is, is that Satan hooks us to say that you're the only one that's dealing with this. And if you tell somebody this, if you tell your wife this, she's going to leave you. She's not going to understand. She, she's going to leave you. So he's got us and he, he drags us into the darkness just a little bit more because we keep it in. And we keep it in. Eventually, we could act upon those thoughts if we continue to stay in the presence of that young lady. Darkness. But where the light of Jesus Christ is, there is no darkness. Because where light is, dark cannot be. See, we have to make sure that we stay in the presence of Jesus Christ. We have to make sure that His light is what is shining in our lives. The Pharisees here. The Pharisees got off track. They began looking at themselves as righteousness. They began looking at the law instead of what the Scripture was saying that God was going to provide the Messiah. They quit looking for Him. They quit looking for Him because they became comfortable with where they were. They quit looking for Him because they enjoyed the power that they had. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. Now I told y'all that we were going to go to where Jesus began, but we're also going to see where he's going to end. And we have to go to Revelations chapter 21 and look at verses 1 through 4 to see this. Then I saw a heaven, a new earth, from the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was all so gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people, and he lives with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever because of the light of Jesus Christ, the light of the world. In this passage it tells us that there's not going to be a need for the sun because we're going to be basking in the glory of Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior Almighty. We will only see His glory. Amen. Woo. So where is He going? He's going to heaven in that last judgment day whenever heaven comes down to earth and it is perfect. 
and full of peace. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more death because of the life that is found in the light of Jesus Christ. His proclamation is, I am the Messiah. I am the Son of God, the light of the world. If you come to me, you will not walk in darkness because light is in your life. Because light is in your life. As Susan comes and and plays for us. We see Jesus Christ standing before us. And he professes to be the light of the world. We see that whenever light enters, that true life begins. Then there is a transformation process that begins. We begin to become transformed into Christ-likeness. We are His children. We begin to bear His likeness. We are the light to this world. Jesus says that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. And He says, if you believe in me, then I'm in you and you're in me. See, in this life that he's called us to and in this walk, it's not an artificial light that we're portraying. It's not a light that we necessarily even reflect because it's a light that is within us. See, it's it's not us that is shining. It's Jesus Christ. But for Jesus Christ to shine, we have to get out of the way. For the light of Jesus Christ to do and to be the things that it needs to do and the things that it needs to be and the bodies and the lives that it needs to change, we've got to get out of the way. Let's stand. The altar is open. And and here's where we are. Jesus makes the proclamation. We're standing right here. And I'm saying to you right now this morning. That Jesus Christ is the light of the world. If you want salvation, you have to have the light of the world living in you. You have to believe in Him as the Son of God, as the Messiah, and invite Him to come into your life and ask for forgiveness. So if you haven't asked for forgiveness and you don't have the light living in you, 
This morning's the time for that to happen. You can come to the altar and kneel down and, and ask for forgiveness. I'm sure that there will be someone else that would love to come and pray for you. I'll even come and pray for you if you want. But the thing is, is that for some of us, we might have already asked Christ to come into our lives and the, and the lights in, ours, in us, but we've stepped in front of it. And it's, and it's no longer the light of Jesus Christ that people see, but it's us. And he says, that's not what it's to be. For the light to do what it's supposed to do, it's got to be Jesus Christ. So this morning, if you need to step aside, and you need to come to the altar and say, God, forgive me, for I have stepped in front of you, and I am not following your path. This morning is that time. With every head bow and every eye closed. There's some that have already made their way to the altar, or there are others. ask the ones that are remaining there if you could please pray for the ones that have made their way to the altar I'd ask that you would also pray and that you would ask God to search your heart to make sure that you're where you need to be Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for the ones that are here, that are praying for your light to truly shine through their lives. God, I pray, dear Lord, that you would help them to, to step aside. God, that you would see their heart. And God, that you would see that their desire is for you to shine bright in their lives. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that you would move in their midst. And, you know, God, that you would assure them that you were there. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the words that you have provided for us this morning. God, I thank you, dear Lord, for your Son, Jesus Christ, that so willingly stepped down from heaven 
to come to this earth to be our Savior, to be our sacrifice, so that we would be able to have that relationship with you. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that you would continue to guide us and that you would continue to direct us today. God, be with the ones that are still at the altar. Are there others? We know that we've, we've been praying for Tommy, uh, you know, um, and uh, we need to continue to pray. Uh, you know, hopefully the doctors will actually do something a little bit quicker than what they have it, have it planned for. Um, if I can have some men to, to gather around Tommy and to, to touch him and to pray for him right now.